Philippians 3, verse number 12. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Father, we ask you to bless the reading of your word. I pray that you'd fill me with your spirit, that you would help me, that you would enable me to preach this message. I ask you to be with those who are on our prayer list and those um, who may not be on our prayer list but need prayer. I just ask, Lord, that they would turn to you and receive what they need from you. Lord, I do ask you to be with our country. I pray that you would uh, continue to remove this virus. and Lord, let us be back together quickly uh, for your honor and your glory. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, and amen. How do we get it going again spiritually? You know, 2020 has taken a toll on us. It's taken a toll physically. It's taken a toll spiritually. It's taken a toll emotionally. And for most of us, church is a huge part of our lives. Uh, Not only are we there multiple times a week, wherever your church is and however your church was doing it before COVID, uh, but at our church, we met three times a week, Sunday morning, Sunday evening, and Wednesday evening. And there were many days when we might do things around the church or have activities, and we were together quite often. And coming together is essentially important. But there's something that coming together and when we came together that we didn't even recognize or know that was happening that's important. When we would come together, we would be accountable to each other. And now you say, well, I really wasn't that accountable. Oh, yes, you were. You know, the Sunday school teacher spent a lot more time preparing and studying because he or she had to teach And so therefore, they were accountable to those kids and accountable to the Lord, so they spent more time. Well, COVID comes in and all of our lives are turned in disarray. We're locked down and all this stuff comes about us and we don't know how to handle it. And it's easy for us to fall uh, off the track a little bit, to become sidetracked. And we no longer have accountability. So, you know, our our reading the Bible goes by the wayside or it's cut in half or we hit and miss. We're spotty at best. And uh, sometimes we turn on and watch some services online. Sometimes we don't. It's easier to just do our own thing. And we've lost that element of accountability. And as a result of that element of accountability, what's happened is many of us are suffering spiritually. Now, you may be uh, an exception to the case. You, you may be uh, thriving spiritually during this time. But I have to be honest with you, even in uh, myself, I still find myself struggling just a little bit spiritually. And I wondered, and I wondered if the Apostle Paul could tell us, if he could help us, this man that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, if he could give us some advice of how to get it going again spiritually when we've kind of fallen into a, a slump or we've fallen into a ditch, if you will. How do we get it going again spiritually? And I found when I was studying this, the Apostle Paul gave excellent, excellent advice to this situation. Now listen to me. There are more distractions today than we've ever had to deal with. I am, uh, and I'm I'm not making light of it, um, I suffer with... ADHD. I'm self-diagnosed. I haven't been to the doctor because I don't want to be on medicine. But I'll tell you this. 
My mind goes 100 miles an hour, shoots pictures of everything and three or four different conversations at one time. And all of these gizmos and gadgets we have today, they are designed for distraction. And I'm telling you, it really distracts me. And I'm sure it distracts you. How many times have you ever sat down to read your Bible and your phone ring? Or you get a notification, you know, i got to check this email real quick. Or i got to see what, you know, somebody liked my post or something to that effect. So there are so many distractions. And it is more and more increasingly difficult to be able to sit down and to purposefully set out and pursue Christ-likeness. We're kind of getting it on the fly, if you will. And so what we have to do is we have to get this going again spiritually. We need a jump start. In our text, Paul gives us three things this morning, three things that can help us reach the goal of Christ-likeness. Now let me start by saying this. In verse number 14, he says, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now listen to me, the goal was not to go to heaven. Hear me out. If you are a Christian, if you are born again, there's nowhere else you're going to go when you die or if the Lord raptures us. So the goal is not heaven. What is the goal? The goal is Christ's likeness. The reason you and I are here on this earth is we are the body of Christ and we are to become more like Jesus every day. So remember, the goal of Christianity is not to get to heaven. If you're a Christian, that's where you're going. That's the only place Christians go when they die. The goal of the believer, the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus is Christ-likeness. The pursuit of Christ-likeness. Now, there's two aspects to this goal. First of all, there's Christ-likeness. But secondly, the second aspect is spiritual maturity. We need spiritually mature Christians. And it's not going to happen if we don't have it going spiritually. So we got to get the wheels going spiritually. we got to get moving forward again. So Paul lays out three things for us. What are these three things? Look at verse 12. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected. That word perfected does not mean sinless perfection. It actually means spiritually mature. It means complete. So what Paul is saying, the very first thing, is that we can never get it going um, spiritually until we first have an honest assessment of our condition. When is the last time... You sat down and with the help of the Holy Spirit and the help of the Word of God, you took a spiritual inventory of your life. I mean a purposeful, let's look at this and let's see where I am spiritually. Paul did not view himself as having arrived. Paul did not see himself as a spiritual giant that did not need any growth. As a matter of fact... Paul saw himself as a wretched sinner who needed God's grace moment by moment. You know, I heard a tale that John Wesley and George Whitfield had a little separation. And the reason they separated was is John Wesley had been taken in the belief that you could reach sinless perfection on this earth. And as a result of that, I am told that uh, George Whitfield separated from John Wesley. This doctrine, thinking that you can have a sinless perfection on this earth, is not a biblical doctrine. You and I will never grow or get it going spiritually until we're first honest about where we are spiritually. Listen. 
Am I moving toward the goal of Christ-likeness? Am I growing into a spiritually mature Christian or am I drifting away? Think about it this way. Have you ever planned a trip? You know, we plan a trip and before our phones or even with our phones, uh, we would use Google Maps. And you go on Google Maps and you'd print in the computer, you would, they would ask you the destination and you put in the destination. The destination is no good and the directions are no good until you put in the starting point, where you are. The same holds true spiritually. You can never know where you're going spiritually until you first know where you are. That's why an honest assessment is necessary to grow spiritually. Now, it's a difficult thing to do. It's difficult to sit down and ask God with a sincerity, God, show me where I am spiritually. And to take that in and to be honest and accept it. But you can never get it going again spiritually until you acknowledge where you are. Until you come to the place where you honestly assess your life and say, Lord, this is my life. I'm a mess. I need to grow. I've stopped growing. I need to move forward. I need to move forward. It's impossible to arrive at the destination of spiritual maturity without an honest assessment of where you are. And Paul says... I haven't already attained this. I'm not already complete or mature, but I press on. I go on. I go forward. That's what he's saying. I go forward. Secondly, not only the honest assessment, but Paul says, you've got to forget the past. Look in verse 13. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. Forgetting those things which are behind. Now, when we talk about this, we automatically assume and go right to the negative. Many of us have bad things in our lives that the devil keeps bringing up. But interestingly enough, he's not only talking about the bad things in life, but he's talking about the good things in life. There are numerous Christians who live in the past, who live in, this is what we used to do, or we have always done it this way. Both can be perilous to your growing and becoming spiritually mature in Christ. You know the bad. Many people have not forgiven themselves, nor can they forgive themselves, for their past behavior. Even though the Bible teaches that when you come to Jesus Christ in faith, He removes all of that sin. Not only does He remove all that sin, but He removes all of that guilt. It's covered under the blood. God said in the Psalms, Your sins will I remember no more. As far as the east is to the west, they're cast away. There is now, therefore, no, there's now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. When God saved you, He not only gave you a new future, but He gave you a new past. And some people are they're, they're stopped in their tracks. They're hindered from moving forward because their past haunts them. You know, the Bible teaches us that the devil is the accuser of the brethren. The devil wants to bring up your past. He wants you to rehash it. He wants you to relive it. He wants you to hurt all over again. He, why? Because he does not want you moving towards spiritual maturity. He does not want you to have victory in this life. He does not want you to become like Christ Jesus. 
You know, there's one thing that no one can dispute. No one can dispute the power of the testimony of a changed life. And the devil knows that. So he wants you defeated. He wants you worried about all the things that happened back then, reliving it, rehashing it. And he is very good at making sure things are in your path so that you constantly think on these things. But I will tell you this. We have to come to the place where we understand that Jesus Christ has taken all of those sins upon Him. They're covered under the blood. We are forgiven and we must forget them if we're going to move forward. You say, preacher, I would love to do that, but you don't know what I've done. I'm not the one in charge of forgiving. God's the one in charge of forgiving. And He said He will forgive you for anything and everything if you'll just turn to Him. Confess it and repent of it. It's that simple. But the devil wants to keep bringing it up. You know, it's bad in any relationship. Two friends that are business partners. If they continually let things in the past hinder their relationship, it's going to, it's going to, it's going to disintegrate right before their eyes. A marriage, if they keep bringing things up from the past, it's going to disintegrate right before their eyes. The same is true with your relationship with the Lord and spiritual maturity. It will disintegrate if you keep bringing up the smelly past. Let it go. Just let it go. Now that's the bad. Now what about the good? Well, the devil, see, he also gets Christians focused on the good things they did in the past. In the churches, there are many churches that are dying today because they refuse to change a few things that could have helped their church reach more people, but the reason they wouldn't do it is because they've never done it that way. The things that the people want to do that are new are not bad, they're just different. Nobody likes change. They say they like change, but they don't. They like change on their terms. And so we can rehash the past and God did this in 1984 and in 2010 He did this and, and I remember when He did this. <clears throat> God's not relegated to the past. If He did it then, He'll do it now. He'll do it in the future. And the point I want to make is some people allow those good things to keep them from growing and knowing the Lord and becoming more Christ-like because they think that it only has to be done the way He did it back then. And the point is, if you dwell on the past, whether it be good or whether it be bad, you won't pursue Christ-likeness. If you're dwelling... Listen, you cannot live life in the rear-view mirror and see where you're going forward. You cannot. Listen, I'm not saying you should not be thankful for your past. And even the bad things, you should be thankful that God delivered you from those things. But leave them with God. And go on to greater things. And that's what he says here. The third thing. He says, I forget those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Keep moving forward. You have an honest assessment of yourself. I am honestly assessing my condition, my spiritual condition. I'm taking a spiritual inventory. Alright, I'm going to leave these things in the past in the past. I'm going to forget them. And now I'm going to focus on what's ahead. Now let me tell you something. We all can say, man, there's a lot in 2020 I would like to forget. And I know you're at home saying amen. Especially if you've been one that's been sick or have had loss or suffering. I'm just telling you straight up. We can all do that. But if we're not careful, we'll dwell on those things. 
And we'll be more excited to get away from those things than we are to move forward to Christ-likeness and to spiritual maturity. What does it take to stop you? What does it take to render you ineffective as a Christian? Is it someone saying something out of character that hurts your feelings and you quit? Maybe they're talking about you. You know what? People are going to talk about you. And I say this ashamedly. I have talked about people. And so for me to be shocked that someone's talking about me, I shouldn't be that shocked because I know that in the past, and I'm trying to forget that, in the past, I've talked about people. And what I'm telling you is this. None of this stuff can stop us. None of this can make us stagnant. Listen, you cannot be stagnant and be moving forward. There's no way. Either you're growing or you're not. Either you're moving forward for Christ or you're not. And here's the thing, church. And you you can get mad at me if you want. I mean, it's like used to you'd worry about if you say something that somebody didn't like that they wouldn't come to church. Well, hello. There's no one here now anyways. So probably I'll just tell the truth. You cannot be stagnant and not be and grow at the same time. You cannot be stagnant and be growing at the same time. It's just, it just won't happen. And here the problem is most Christians have been, become so comfortable in being stagnant that they don't even care about growth. They don't even look forward to growth. They're not pursuing growth. They could care less about growth. Is that the victorious life that Jesus Christ offered us? Could it be that we're missing out because we're not moving forward? Notice the language that Paul uses here. He says, reaching forward. He says, I press toward the goal. What is he saying? What's he saying? Well, first of all, he is saying it is a conscientious, deliberate mindset. I'm making up my mind today that with God's help and with God's guidance and God's strength, I am going to move forward. I'm I'm making my mind up. I'm not going to be wishy-washy on this. I'm going to set it in my heart. I'm going to settle it. I'm going to put it on my date planner. I'm going to put it on my phone. I'm going to put it on my iPad, whatever it is, my refrigerator, to help keep me focused on this deliberate mindset that I want to move forward this year. I want to move forward. I don't want to live in the past. I don't want to live with regret. I want to live wide open for Jesus. Not only is it a deliberate mindset, number two, it's an active, not a passive. These words, this phrase is an active phrase. Paul is pouring energy and effort into this. He's not just going to say, okay, God... Make me move forward. Make me spiritually mature and do nothing. He says amen and he's in the Word. He's spending time in prayer. He's fellowshipping with his brothers and sisters in Christ. He's being an encouragement. He's witnessing. He's sharing his faith. What is he doing? He's becoming active in the cause of Jesus Christ. You see, sometimes people get in their mind, wow, this church is blessed because they got me. Or, wow, this, uh, these people, they're blessed because I'm in their life. Well, that's just foolishness and pride. What we have to understand is that we are blessed because Jesus allowed us in His family. We're blessed because He has saved us. It is a privilege to be in the family of God. 
So I'm going to actively pursue Christ-likeness. Every day I'm going to try to do my best. I know I'm going to stumble. I know I'm going to stub my toe. I know I'm going to go through difficulty. But I'm going to get up and I'm going to try it again. Why? Because I've set my mind that I want to be like Jesus and I'm going toward that goal. I'm reaching forward to that goal, the prize of the upward call. That's what I want. And then I think it's a continuous, it's a lifelong pursuit. Up until the time he died, the Apostle Paul exhorted all of his energy after he was converted on the road to Damascus. He exerted all of his energy continually for the cause of Jesus Christ. To the point where he could say, and he could say it with truth and sincerity, I finished my course. I fought a good fight. I've done it. I've ran the race well. Why? Because it was a continuous, lifelong pursuit. This is what Paul tells us. Take a break from the life of hustle and bustle. Get alone with God and get alone with your Bible and a piece of paper and a pen. And sit there and pray and read Scriptures until God gives you something. See, we don't want to put any effort in this. We want God while we're asleep to magically download it. We want to plug into the wall just like we charge our phone and we wake up in the morning we're spiritually good for the day. It doesn't work that way. It would be nice, I have to honestly say, but that's not the way God does it. Listen, take an honest assessment of your condition. Forget about the past and keep moving forward. Make a deliberate decision. Now listen to me. Here it is. Make a deliberate decision to actively pursue the prize of the upward call, which is Christ-likeness and spiritual maturity, every day for the remainder of your life. Let's get this turned around spiritually. Let's not be, let's not be a, a failure in this time. Let's be victorious Christians. Let's not let corona determine how spiritual or how unspiritual we are. Let's get it right. Let's get the ship going in the right direction. Let's turn the sails the right way. And let's put the hammer down. And let's get back the ground we lost spiritually this year. Let's get it going again. If you're here uh, watching, you're not here obviously, but if you're watching and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, I want to invite you to trust Him. Listen to me. The Bible says you're a sinner, and because you're a sinner, you deserve to die. And Jesus Christ was willing to come from heaven, be born of a, of a virgin, just what we celebrated here last couple of days ago here. And he, was, he came to this earth, and he, he lived a sinless life, and He died on the cross for your sins and for my sins. And the Bible says that if we believe that He's the Son of God and we believe that He died for us and we believe that He rose from the grave and if we turn to Him and ask Him, He will save us. I don't know what your life is like right now, but I'm telling you, it will be so much better with Jesus. Your life will mean something with Jesus. Your eternity will mean something. You don't have to face an evil place called hell. If you'd like to be saved today, I want to lead you to prayer. If you open your heart and you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, He'll come in and save you. You can pray like this, Dear Lord Jesus, I realize I'm a sinner. And because of my sin, I deserve to die. 
But I believe you died in my place. And right now, the best way I know how, I want to invite you into my life. I want to ask you to forgive me of my sins. I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. Friend, if you meant that prayer and you're honest and sincere, I believe you are saved. Would you please, would you please write me and let me know? Would you send me